This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello and welcome to Radio Astronomy, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Hello listeners, and today I'm speaking to Maggie Adairn pocock who is a space scientist and educator, president of the British Science Association and managing director of Science Innovation Limited. But for most of our listeners, she's probably best known as the presenter of the Sky at Night TV show, along with Chris Lintot. So, Maggie, you have had an incredibly wide and varied career over the years. Uh, Can you tell me a bit more about your career and how you got into, into that line of work? Yes, I, I think you're right. My, my career has been wide and varied. And <laughs> all my life, I've been fascinated by space. And that started, well, there was a combination of things. I don't remember the moon landings, but I remember hearing about them, getting very excited about them. And that, combined with the clangers, seemed to be the magic spot that got me sort of hooked on space. And so um, 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 going to school, um, I went to 13 different schools, so my education was a bit checkered. And I also have a condition called dyslexia. I used to say I suffer from it, but um, I can see some of the benefits of it now. Mm-hmm. And so um, um, all, all this made a sort of the idea of a career in, in space um, seem like almost like a distant dream. But I think having a crazy dream can really help. And um, via a convoluted route, go, going via the MOD, uh, working within universities, eventually getting a job in ground-based astronomy, then working in space-based astronomy for a while, um, I was able to sort of uh, uh, map a career and uh, to get me where I wanted to be. And so you you talked about there about um, you, your passion starting with you know people talking about the moon landings and the, the the clangers. Is is the moon a particularly fond place in the universe for you? <laughs> well, I do define myself as a self-certified lunatic. <laughs> because, <laughs> because all my life, I think it started with my father because he used to tell me about the moon in Africa. 
And um, he was just saying how, how beautiful it was and how he used to sort of cycle the, um, over unmetalled roads with no streetlights. And when the moon was up and full, it was you know, guided his way. So it was definitely a friend of my father. And then um, I was brought up uh, mainly in London. And um, you don't see that many stars because of the light pollution and things like that. Mm. But sometimes you do get a glorious view of the moon you know, over the old city. So that was sort of a, that sort of definitely endeared me. And now I've passed on my lunacy. Um, so I got it from my father. I've passed on my lunacy to my daughter. And sometimes um, we, we live out in Guildford now. Sometimes we step outside in the garden you know, and look right, look left and howl at the moon. So, it's, so lunacy is definitely strong in our family. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling about this? Because this year we've got a whole run of we being the world have there's a whole run of of uh, spacecraft going towards the moon um some of them leading up to the artemis mission some of them just you know other nations are heading that way um are you particularly excited about those missions coming up Yes, and, but um, because yeah, a because it's the moon, and um, I did actually write a book about the moon. You see, I, I mentioned I'm dyslexic, and so writing about things is always a challenge for me. But I did write a book about the moon because I love the moon so much; it just made it a lot easier because I, I could write about <laughs> what I was passionate about. But um, and uh, so the idea of people sort of going back to the moon. I mean, I think the last uh, um, humans on the moon was in, back in 1972. Mm. So we've waited a long time, and there's been this ongoing discussion: you know, Do we go to the moon? Do we go to Mars? And that has almost been a hiatus in terms of stopping us going anywhere yeah and so the fact that people say yes okay we're going to go back to the moon i find incredibly exciting and uh, especially artemis because they had promised to put uh, um <laughs> they promised to put um as a woman on the moon because so far it's only been 12 men and i think someone from an ethnic minority and possibly someone with a disability and i can mm. sign up for all three so i keep on putting my hand up but they haven't contacted me yet <laughs> <laughs> I do know that uh, the European Space Agency definitely is doing some work with um, trying to get more disabled astronauts, particularly people with physical disabilities. So hopefully, (laughs) maybe you'll get your chance in the future. Um, And obviously, as you said, Artemis is going to be sending the first woman to the surface of the moon. Uh, You yourself have done quite a lot of work with encouraging uh, both women and girls as well as young people in general, uh, into the space field. Uh, How is this and why is this important to you? So I think it's this it's breaking down the stereotypes I, 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 I call it sort of the taxi scenario because sometimes I hop into a cab and I'm, I'm sitting in back then uh, the taxi driver said so what do you do I said, oh, I'm a space scientist I said, you what and I get a double take because mm. I don't look like a, a quintessential space scientist I think they expect sort of a guy you know a white guy with a beard you know sort of and so it's trying to break those stereotypes down and because of this it means that um, there are some girls out there who aren't considering careers in STEM in space uh, in in general and so so we're missing out it shows that when you have diverse teams uh, companies do so much better and so it's Mm. trying to get this diversity into science across the board but especially into sort of a uh, sort of a computing engineering a sort of physics these subjects where there is a deficit of girls and Mm. um, we are have a deficit of people coming into these subjects so it's a win-win situation really. And how do you go about trying to sort of encourage um, these groups of people to, to get more involved in space? Yes. Well, um, as you mentioned, I do try and encourage everybody because we, we just need more scientists before stop. Mm-hmm. But I, I do sort of uh, try and target sort of a, a specific messages. And so um, uh, a few years ago, we had International Year of Astronomy and we were looking at female astronomers. And we could go back, um, I think sort of it was about 6,000 years to the first female astronomer. And um, mm-hmm. she, hers was the first female name to be written in the history books. Now, I can never pronounce her name because I'm dyslexic, but I think it was Ed. Uh, Ed 
Edu, um, N. Edu Hannah. And so and this was the first name uh, written in the history book, first female name written in the history books. And she wrote poetry about sort of measuring arcs across the sky and looking at the stars. And, and so we have a long history of women in astronomy. And it's just trying to show that, um, I, I think, <laughs> I always feel that astronomy was got a bit um, um, dominated by, by white guys in togas. <laughs> and that seems to be you know, the font of all information. But um, I'm writing a book at the moment for... Um, for BBC books at the moment, looking at um, uh, constellations and the stars. And it's very interesting to see, you know, we've got the standard, you know, sort of uh, recognised constellations that have been recognised by International Astronomical Union. But there are many more constellations which other cultures came up with. And, you know, and so um, if, you, if you've got the, if you take something like you know, Orion, different cultures saw different pictures with that sort of you know, particular set of stars. So the stars are the history of everyone, uh, sort mm. of a male, female and across the world. And so it's just trying to sell that to people and show them. But yeah, it wasn't just white guys and toadies. <laughs> <laughs> eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. And... As you said, diversity across the board has been shown to help pretty much every industry that uh, people go into. But do you think that learning about space benefits uh, people as individuals as well? I very much think so. And so that's why um, sometimes I go to a school and they say, oh, well, perhaps you should only speak to the gifted and talented or something like that. Mm. And when I go to a school, I want to speak to everyone because I think space and an understanding of the universe is just something fundamental in all of us. And it was quite interesting during lockdown because many people were sort of stuck at home. They couldn't get out. And I was invited to do quite a few television um, sort of interviews and also radio interviews talking about looking up at the night sky. Because sometimes if you're feeling enclosed in and sort of you know, hemmed in and, uh, and if you had a busy day and you haven't been out, just sort of getting a view of the night sky can really transform someone's mood. So, mm. uh, and, uh, and I think it's a sort of it's philosophical. It's like music and art and all those wonderful things. Understanding our place in the universe and how that understanding has evolved over the years, I think, is also very critical for all of us. So, uh, and, but uh, another factor as well is that um, jobs in tech pay well. Mm. And so um, we were talking about sort of um, some of the things that I've done in my career. Uh, my career has enabled me to sort of you know, work on climate change, you know, travel around the world speaking to people. And it seems a shame that um, quite a few, uh, quite a bit of the population is missing out on these opportunities. So diversity is good for everybody, but people working in STEM generally have a sort of a, a more fruitful careers. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely say that it's my uh, by by working in talking to people about space has taken me all over the place as well. Um, <laughs> yes. If anybody listening is thinking about it, the travel is quite good. <laughs> yes, do it, and also it's good to remember that space. One of the things that people often think is, oh, well, to be um, to work in space, I have to be a scientist or an engineer, mm. and, and the STEM it, it plays a vital role in space. But we also have lawyers, you know, um, PR people. There's a whole and the space industry is. Sorry, I'm turning into a sales pitch, but I get very excited <laughs> about space. <laughs> but this industry is also growing, especially in the UK. So I think anyone who's got an interest in this subject and should come along because we need everybody. Absolutely. 
absolutely i can't agree more um there's there's dozens of different things that people can get involved with and of course one of the things that most of our listeners are going to know you best for is your work as one of the co-presenters of sky at night did you watch the show when you were younger (laughs) <laughs> very much so uh, and it's funny because um I was mentioning I grew up in London um, Patrick used to give me sort of an insight into what I might be able to see and so I'd sort of sit down and sort of listen to the program. I used to get special permission to stay up late and watch the program and then I sort of go outside and um, I was living in sort of a bell-sized park which is quite close to Hampstead Heath and um, on the way back from school sometimes it would be dark and I'd be able to have a sort of a clear view of the night sky because you know you didn't have too many buildings in front of me and so I think oh my goodness Patrick mentioned that and I can see it so he brought the night sky alive to me and uh, uh, so that was just sort of a, a, a wonderful legacy for me but yes I did use um, I used to watch the programme as a child and love it as well. Does it feel good to be bringing the night sky alive for, for other people now as well? Uh, yes, but slightly daunting. Uh, mm. When I got the job to do the presenting, um, I think especially in the first episode, I was very much like a rabbit in the headlights because you know, <laughs> this is the, the, the iconic sky at night television programme. And, and he's little Maggie, you know. <laughs> Presenting the programme. And so there was a little girl in me that was very excited, but also sort of that moment of terror. I thought, oh my goodness, those were very big boots to fill. Mm. I, I should imagine carrying a show with, that's been running for, I think at the moment it's 65 years, is, is quite yes. a lot of responsibility. <laughs> yes. But also um, it was nice to be welcomed into the family because mm. um, Chris Linter has uh, been doing it and also Pete uh, Lawrence has, had been doing it for many years. So um, uh, although I was the new kid on the block, um, I was uh, welcomed into the family. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear. And how did you come to to be standing there like a deer in headlights? How did you come to present <laughs> the show? Uh, so um, I, I think uh, it was quite interesting because when because Patrick had done the programme for 57 years mm. the longest running longest serving TV presenter in the world and uh, also sort of the longest running uh, television programme in the world and um, so um, I, I did mention that I would love to do it but I didn't think anything would come of it uh, at that time I'd done quite, um, quite a bit of work with the BBC I'd made a documentary about the moon and about satellites and um, also um over the years, I've done lots of science communication. I think um, at the current, actually, it's probably a bit high now. I've probably seen about three hundred and seventy thousand kids in the last sort of twelve to fourteen years. So, wow, so, that's a big <laughs> number. <laughs> well, I'm quite lucky because I, I do something called GCSE Science Live. So it used to start with maybe you know, fifty kids in a sort of a, a primary school classroom, and um, but now I do um, sort of big events like so. There's something called GCSE Science Live, and you get two thousand fifteen year olds in an mm. auditorium, yeah. and so so the numbers can rack up quite quickly there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yes, I've been doing all these different sorts of science communication, science festivals, sort of going into schools. And so I, I'm, I was hoping that my credentials would be good enough. And then I remember I was filming um, some, a television programme for CBeebies um, called um, sort of Stargazing. And um, CBeebies Stargazing. And the call came through saying, hey, would you like to do the programme? And I was like, oh, <laughs> um, a moment of great excitement for me. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, with the show, you've been because the Sky at Night has always been at the forefront of some of the most incredible um, aspects of, of space exploration and space science. Um, are there any particular like historic moments that you've been part of that particularly stand out for you? Very much so. And uh, oh, yes, actually, I can think of three spring to mind automatically. And um, the first one was being at the European Space Agency. And I remember, I think it was Armistice Day, I can't remember the year, but it's when the Philae lander 
uh, landed on um is it uh Grasim, uh Ch- I, Grasimenko I, yes. I could never say it at the time but I practiced Six, so much it's stuck in my mind <laughs> 67p Churyumov Gerasimenko I still know how to spell it to this day yes. <laughs> which is quite that a challenge stuck in my mind forever yes uh yes that was in 2014 for our listeners at home 2014 yes, yes. and so uh, it was I suppose was still relatively new on the program and, and it was just wonderful to be you know, part of the press team and sort of go out there and we were in Darmstadt for a while and then I think we went to Cologne and we were getting you know, the latest information also we'd been in the UK speaking to some of the um, people who were making the instrumentation now as um, my history is in making instrumentation for space but also for ground-based telescopes so to be able to speak to the instrument engineers here in the UK then go out and also that was a roller coaster ride of a journey you know? mm. it's landed oh no the harpoons <laughs> so yes just, so to be there and see that unfolding right before our eyes was brilliant Mm. Another one that springs to mind is we did a television programme looking at sort of a a space and astronomy at the Vatican. And so Mm. for this, we went actually inside Vatican City and we were speaking to these priest astronomers who were showing us various artefacts. And so just being firstly in Italy with the glorious weather, but being in Italy and sort of going behind the velvet ropes and going sort of into uh, into sort of places where people don't usually get to go and just uh, and looking at that sort of uh, juxtaposition between sort of religion and science and um and yeah, talking about Galileo and, and all sorts of those historical moments so that was sort of uh, very uh, very iconic for me and then the third one I think was uh New Horizon as it sort of approached Pluto mm. uh, we went to a NASA headquarters and were there um as um uh, as yeah New Horizon sort of approached sort of a, a Pluto and started started getting those images in so again a sort of a, a, a amazing moments of sort of scientific discovery so as we said at the beginning, you've had an absolutely wide and varied career and uh, I very much hope that that continues and you continue to encourage more people into space because it is a wonderful thing to learn about, as I'm sure everybody listening will agree. So thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to talk to us, Maggie. Oh, it was my absolute pleasure. Lovely to speak to you. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the Radio Astronomy podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine which was produced in our Bristol studio by Brittany Colley. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. Spotify.